Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. It's Allie Valentin here, and I'm here to let you know that the conversation you're about to listen to came from a live Q&A session on Chris's social media accounts. I hope you enjoy. Hi, you guys. I was at uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, Entrepreneur Summit, and it was Leadership Summit. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I was with 2,600 guys and gals, and there was I was the only pastor there. Everybody else was had a business. Very cool. And it was really epic. It was an incredible experience. As a matter of fact, I'm buying tickets right now to go again next year. So it was that good. So good. And take Elijah with me. Oh, very good. Yeah, it'll be fun. Awesome. Yeah. So I, did, I hope you guys missed me. <laughs> I hope you're like, how did we live without you doing a live last week with us? I'm sure there was a, lot, were, of there a was, lot of sadness. I'm there sure. was a lot of emails that came through. Yeah, Sadness. Very sad. Very sad. Yeah. Well, I understand. Oh, this man. is what I'm doing. Discipling people. You know, discipling nations right here. That is it. This is it. All righty, you guys. Somebody asked, did you enjoy Jordan Peterson? I did. I sat in a room with Jordan Peterson with a few guys in the green room and and uh, obviously he did all the talking, I did all the listening, but it was really, it was really good. He's, he's incredibly smart. Mm-hmm. And his teaching uh, on the stage was incredible. Mm. Uh, I can't even pronounce the title. The title was like this many words and it was oh, wow. some kind of like, I, <laughs> he got the award, they actually gave an award. He uh-huh. got the award for the most complicated title. Oh my gosh, that's funny. But he was great. There was a gal there that climbed uh, with the team, the first, female team to ever climb Mount Everest. That was incredible. There was a man there that uh, when he was nine years old, he he was playing with a gasoline can and it blew up on him and it burned Mm. 87% of his body, burned his fingers completely off. Mm. And um, the short story is is that his mother insisted he learn to play the piano. And so they tied a, a, a pencil to one of his fingers and he took piano lessons for five years and learned to play the piano with his nubs. Wow. And his, it, it, you can imagine the incredible joy. I cried through most of his message. It was intense. Wow. It, his name is John O'Leary. You could, O'Leary, you could look him up. He's incredible. One of the you know most powerful, inspiring stories I've ever heard in my life. Mm. And when we were done, he gave 2,600 of us his private text message. I mean, his private phone. Mm-hmm. And said, "Text me anytime you you need me." I'm, oh, man's insane! I so, think Bob Goff did the same thing at the end of his book. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. I don't know how these guys do it. No. I mean, I don't, know. I don't even have time to breathe. If I did that, I'd die. But yeah. yeah, so it was very inspiring, and then it was great teaching. The guy who wrote the five dysfunctions of an organization taught. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. Wow. Obviously, Jay Ramsey taught. There was. So many, um, so many great teachers, and then, uh, and then so many inspiring stories in between. It was really powerful. That's great. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Okay. These are a lot of these questions have to do with the prophetic prophecy. Okay. All that. We did a bunch of posts on prophecy. This. Yeah. We got a school We're of prophets ch- coming up. We have up. a school yeah. of the prophets coming We're kind up. Of kind We're of getting kind of people shifting in that mindset. Gears. Shifting gears a bit. Yes, we're talking about. We're gonna have hundreds of people come this year. 
I know it's, it's going to be so I'm full. very excited for this year. Me too. It's always so fun. It's one of my favorite years or favorite years. <laughs> favorite, favorite years. Favorite years. Favorite, could favorite it could year. be my favorite year. We'll see. But favorite weeks of the year oh, for I think sure. It could be your favorite year too. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Okay. I'm going to jump in, jump right in and ask you these questions. So first question, this is, I love this question. People have asked this question before. Okay. Maybe I've even asked you this question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the question is, can prophecies expire? Well, yeah, I mean, they can. I mean, think about scripturally, first of all, like, I think I even used this example last time when Elijah was told to go to the river Cherub and that the ravens would feed him and that he could drink from the stream, from the stream. The, it wasn't a river, so it was a stream, mm -hmm. a creek. And, uh, the, you know, at, the, the creek dried up and the ravens stopped coming. Mm -hmm. So definitely an expiration. Yeah. And then the Lord gave him a new word. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes that's why we say like delayed obedience is sometimes disobedience because you can delay to the point where, you know, that 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 open door closes. You yes. Know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that there are there definitely are times when prophecies expire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I'll say this too, Elijah was wise enough to look for another word. Oh, interesting. So when the creek dried up and when the ravens stopped coming, he didn't like say, I'm going to die at this creek because I'm standing on the word of God. He prayed and God said, go to the widow's house and she's going to provide for you there. So there was a new word. Yeah. So I'd say if, you know, if the if prophetic word expired in your life, you know, don't, and don't sulk or feel bad or punish yourself or whatever. It's like, all right, we'll do it better next time, you know? Yeah. Um, and seek the Lord for a new word. Yeah. That's, that's the pattern good. in the scripture. Seek the Lord for a new word. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, okay. Next question. I feel like I'm in a spiritually quiet season. How do I navigate through that? So maybe they feel like they're not hearing the Lord's voice. Yeah. What do you think about that? You ever been through a quiet season? Oh, that's a great question. I think I've been through a season where it's felt like there's definitely a shift in the nearness of God or like how I feel, how close in the he sense is of it, yeah. in the sense of it. I think, um, sometimes in really hard seasons, like God feels really close, right? Cause you're super desperate for him. So you yeah. really need him close. And then when the, that kind of lifts, you feel like, Hey, I'm where, where did that, mm -hmm. my desperateness, like he was always there when I needed him, right? He's like close to the brokenhearted. And so, I've had seasons like that where I come out the other side and I'm like, oh, I kind of miss that sense of nearness and closeness of God. Think um, I'll have another crisis. Yeah, maybe I'll just have another <laughs> crisis in my life. Um, but how do you, how did I navigate that, or how do you navigate that? I think a lot of the times I was always inspired to kind of go back to the place where it first began, right? Where that like I oh. first found the Lord. Yeah. Or I first, first heard him. Yeah, first kind of had those like sweet moments with the Lord, and so. A lot of that for me is in scripture. That's a lot of like quiet time yeah, with the Lord is I where I really found him. But um, I don't know, maybe for other people that's looking like getting around other people that feel like they're not in a spiritually quiet season and being ignited by their faith. Um, so I think it could be different for different people in different scenarios. But I agree with that. And I also think that there are times when the Lord, uh, he his silence in our personal lives is an invitation to community. Mm -hmm. 
because I don't think that we're ever supposed to walk alone. No. And I think that when I become a self, you know, uh, self-contained, when I feel yeah. become self-contained, I think those are times when the Lord often gets silent, so that that my desperation drives me to community. Yeah. And um, and I think that I think that's true too. And I also think that there are times when all of us kind of add the Lord to our life, like we're really busy and we're like. You know, Lord, if you have anything to say, you know, you can kind of say it on the way to work because I'm, you know, I got yeah, my I got life going. To do. I, I don't think the Lord likes being, you know, an option, you know, optional air conditioning kind of in our car. I think he likes being the center of our lives. So I think desperation also moves us to, you yeah. know, those taking, as you pointed out, those times. Yes. And then I think sometimes, you know, we use prophetic ministry, you know, hearing the voice of God more as a ministry than we do for a relationship and so the lord changes you know his language so that we have to press in and learn a new language mm -hmm. lots it's of like reasons mature and to grow yeah mm -hmm. and then you know god did his very best work in genesis 1 uh you know he he, he spoke the worlds into existence for five days and then when he created you know adam and eve and the animals you know he he didn't speak so sometimes God's best, his greatest work in our lives it comes in silence mm -hmm. and in nearness but silence. Yeah, that's so, really good. Yeah. So good. Those are good answers, actually. Great answers. A little pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I bring my own encouragement with me. Um, it's, dip, you know, everybody really on here should know, like, it's difficult, you know, talking to a, a, a screen, right? It is. As, I was just as saying opposed that to it, when you grow up. When, you know, like I grew up in ministry talking to an audience. There was yeah. no such thing as a screen when we started. So mm -hmm. it, it is like you're sharing and you're trying to imagine what... That it's landing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, how do... You, oh, wait. No, this person asked. Did you have a mentor while growing in the prophetic? Oh, yeah. Lots of them. few of them. Yeah. I mean, Larry Randolph. Mm-hmm was a great mentor in my life. Bob Jones is a great mentor in my life. The very early days, I would say like, uh, you know, the, the Morningstar guys, yeah. you know, um, Rick Joyner's, uh, mm -hmm. Steve, I uh, can't remember Steve's last name at this moment, but yeah, those guys at, at Morningstar, I, I learned so much from them. Mm -hmm. And then I grew up in the Jesus movement, which had, you know, there was a lot, like my mentor, my first mentor was, uh, Art Kipperman, but he wasn't very prophetic. So, you know, although our community was prophetic, but really, to be honest, the prophetic in the, in the Jesus movement, at least the part I was in, was quite dysfunctional. Like, mm -hmm. there was no community, there was no culture, prophetic culture. It's just yeah. like prophetic words that, you know, I think a lot of times the Jesus people didn't know the Bible very well, and there, there was no judging of prophetic words. Hmm. You know, so it was kind of like I saw people get married because two people had a prophetic word to get married, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then you know, a lot of those marriages failed, and it was just like it was just it was kind of chaotic, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. And it was years later that I started seeing healthy prophetic ministry, like I'd say a prophetic culture where, mm. you know, there was there was First Corinthians 14. There was let one or let two or three prophets speak, let the others pass yeah. judgment. You know, yeah. There was Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5, where you know, um, don't despise prophetic understanding, examine everything carefully and hold fast to what is yeah. good. And so, you know, it's like having a prophetic culture changes everything. You yeah. Know? And I watched that. I saw that modeled in Morningstar. 
I watched it modeled through the life of Larry Randolph and um, Bob Jones, not, not as much, but Bob was a great encourager yeah. to me personally. Yeah, so I did. And I think, you know, honestly, I, I don't, you know, the most powerful gifts need to be, they need to be rooted in culture. Yes. Otherwise they become very dysfunctional and scary. Right. Uh, the more powerful the gift is, the more it needs the balance of culture. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, there are a lot of churches now that have prophetic ministry. There are yeah. less that have a prophetic culture where there really is a healthy, you know, I say safety net around people. Right. So it doesn't get really mm -hmm. weird. And, right. and, you know, prophetic people, you know, prophetic people can be, like, they can be the weirdest people. And, yeah. you know, there's good weird like Ezekiel, but then there's bad weird like yeah. people that have no relationship with the body but want right. to have authority and power and prophesying to the, you know, the senior leaders about how they think it should go. And and then, and then the other really dangerous people are people that have, don't go to church at all, but they, they have strong prophetic ministry to the church, right? Right. You know, if you're not a part of the church, you know, shut up. <laughs> Earnestly, shut up. If you're not a part of the church, you know you have no you have no authority to prophesy to right. to the body of Christ if you're not part of the body of Christ. You know, right. we that that's a cancer. Right. And we, you know, I'm not saying that those people are a cancer. I'm saying that the ministry that throws rocks at the church from yeah. outside the church and and makes itself and 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 creates a culture where they are the authority of What's happening with the body of Christ? I, I can't even tell you how many people, you know, on social media, of course, it's the worst, right? Social media is the worst. Yeah. But where people are like, oh, the church, you know, I used to go there and those people are da, da, da. And, the, you know, it's full of hypocrites. Of course, it's full of hypocrites. Like, where do people, the church should be full of hypocrites. It should right. be full of people who are in process in their life. That's, yeah. and, and, you know, the poor, the broken, the lame, the, the you know, the, the, the mentally ill, I mean, the yeah. people who are, you know, in the in their life where they, you know, they really are hypocrites. Like they believe one thing and live another. But, right. you know, it's community that helps you out of that hypocrisy and into, right. into uh, you know, true, authentic life in Jesus, right? It's really good. Really, really good. Gosh, um, I started to feel it. I know. There's some passion on that one. Oh, well, it kind of reminds me of even finding like your Metron, right? Like you're not going to speak into something that you don't even have faith for. And if you're not in the actual church, you probably don't have faith for it, right? But yeah, you have these, all these. Well, you might think you have faith for it. Because, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, somebody asked, how how to grow in my prophetic leadership? I know you kind of touched on it a yeah. little bit, but maybe some keys that they could take away. I'm getting a little message here. Uh, I'd say, you know, first of all, we have to describe what is prophetic leadership. Now, yeah. now we're talking about, you know, there's a whole another, you know, dimension of what I would call prophetic leadership, because I think that there is a role in teaching people how to lead future present. Yeah. And how to use a prophetic gift, not just to prophesy over people individually but how to see the future not as it is but as god sees it and actually pulling people in you know leading people future present yeah 
And I think that the body of Christ has hasn't really seen the fivefold ministry in full activation and action. Mm. And I think this is part of what prophets and prophetesses and prophetic people do. Yeah. Is they very much help the body of Christ not just to prophesy, but mm-hmm. they actually they actually are leading the body of Christ future present into you know into their divine destiny. That's really good. Yeah. Love that. There's so much to say. I, I want to do a whole <laughs> write a whole book about, you know, leadership. The fivefold ministry and, and describing the offices, but more importantly, describing the functions and then how do they flow together to create a foundation for the body of Christ and then some and then the world too. How do they relate to the world mm-hmm. in a way that helps to create healthy cultures and disciple nations? And I, I think there's a I think there's a whole narrative there that, that we're that we as the body of Christ are learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like the you talk about this a lot, but even in the church today, at least in Western church, like it's not very common to have apostles and prophets no. within your church. We call everyone pastors, teachers, evangelists are even more yeah. common than yeah. you might say a prophet or an apostle. So it's really interesting. A question that often comes up on this topic is, you know, is everyone called to an office? No. Yeah. We're all called to be saints. And according to Daniel 7, it's the saints who actually, you know, have sovereignty and, and authority to actually lead the world. It's mm-hmm. not the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry equips the saints to do the work of service. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no like, there's no glory in being a prophet or an apostle or a pastor or a teacher. Anymore, there's any glory in, you know, in a, in a on a sports team, the guys that hand out the equipment, and you know, I mean, if you want to talk about glory, maybe maybe the glory in my analogy would be, you know, the guy who plays the game, mm-hmm. the gal who plays the game, mm-hmm. and that's the saints. The saints are playing the game. The fivefold yeah. ministry are the people who are equipping the saints to play the game. So yeah. we're we're looking for, you know, we're looking for the people that are sitting in the seats on Sunday to be the world changers, the reformers you know, the the mission impossible kind of people. Hmm. And I think it's there's a real you know the narrative that my pastor leads people to Christ and my pastor's the guy who, who, you know, teaches us and my pastor's the guy who does counseling and my my pastor's the guy who has a prophetic word. It's like no, your leader, your pastor is a person equipping the people who are doing the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've exalted the equippers to a place that everybody wants to be the equipper. I'm like, well, if you're called to that, that's great. But what you really want to be is the revivalist, the reformer. And those are saints. Yeah. It's interesting that <laughs> that topic, that they're in, in a lot of ways, right? Everyone mm-hmm. has felt like it's almost like a prestigious calling if you're what well, i mean it, whatever you're called to like a carpenter if you're called to be a carpenter that's a that's a prestigious calling if you're called to be a mm-hmm. you know an artist or a doctor or a nurse or you know a housewife or a mother or a father like doing what jesus asked you to do is pre- pre- prestigious yes you know and if you're called to be an apostle great that's great but you know from the standpoint of i'm going to be apostle because that's the most profound thing to be no actually that's not true i mean the apostles are people who equip the saints and the saints are the ones who are 
making history. I'm not saying apostles can't make history. Let me be clear. I guess I'm probably I'm probably underemphasizing their role. But I'm huge. saying they're not changing history because they're apostles. They're changing history because they're saints. Yes. Like everyone like else. Like everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like everyone else who knows so the Lord, right? So it's simply like a calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. Okay. We probably have time for one oh, more question. So I'm trying to choose very too much. wisely. Oh, man. Oh, this is a complicated question. So you think okay. you could answer we'll it? We'll try. Can you talk about how our free will and sovereignty work together in the prophetic Well, I mean, first of all, uh, the God so loved free will that he, he planted two trees in the garden, a good tree and a bad tree. Mm-hmm. A tree of life and a tree of knowledge, good and evil. He planted mm-hmm. that tree. He planted those trees. So at the risk of God called us to have free will at the risk of making the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And Jesus made wine for people who are already drunk. People say, well, oh, that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't alcohol. It was a, you know, grape juice. It was not. The Greek word there is metros, and it means to be drunk. Mm-hmm. But why, why did Jesus do that? Well, because the only way to get a reward for doing the right thing is to have the opportunity to do the wrong thing. So, you know, God, free will is huge. Like, Jesus gives you a free, Jesus gives you the, the free, you have free will to sin. Mm-hmm. And he's created an opportunity for even if you've sinned, for you to make it right. Yeah. You know, so now prophetic ministry, what does it mean free will? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I make up prophetic words in the name of, you know, here's my idea, you know, and I share it as a prophecy. That yeah. That is not a prophecy. Yeah. So the, I, I think free will, the ways that free will plays into prophecy, at least that come to my mind, is that when we when we give people prophetic declaration or a church or an organization or mm-hmm. a, you know a politician or a government, you know our our that's all we do. Like we delivered the letter. Yeah. And and as the mailman, it's my job to make sure the letter gets in the mailbox. Yes. That's it. It's not. It's not my responsibility for you to read the letter. Mm. It's not my responsibility to for you to obey the letter. Good. It's not my responsibility for you to believe the letter. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, when we do a school of prophets every year when we do the interaction sessions, we have people like, I give my pastor word and he didn't, he didn't do it. And I feel like marginalized or, you know, I feel like I'm not valued. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Your, your job is to give the word. Yeah. It's not your job to make it happen. Right. And this is how what we call prophetic manipulation happens is when I take responsibility to make sure that you carry out the word I gave you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you don't value me. Right. And I'm like, oh, there's a there's a hundred reasons why people don't walk out the word, you know? I, I mean, in our own lives, like, I could eat healthier, I could be thinner if I, you know, exercise a half hour every day, and I know that. And I and I would like to have a better body, but not not enough to make the sacrifices beyond the sacrifices I've already made. You know, I already work out twice a week. I already, you know, curtail some of my intake and I, I already eat certain food. But for me to be even healthier, I know what to do mm-hmm. at this point. It doesn't mean I'm going to go do it. And it doesn't mean that your advice, if you were a, you know, if you were a, a um, you know, a nutritionist, it doesn't mean that your advice is bad because I don't take it. It just means I'm not in. I don't, I don't want to make the sacrifices it takes to 
to be healthier than I am already. And so, you know, I think that life is like that. It's like oftentimes the Lord's prophesying to people, like if you do this and this, then I'm going to do that. And it's like, well, that sounds great, but I don't actually want to sacrifice that much. Yeah. So I think that that's how I, I would see free will working with, you know, sovereignty. Right. In prophecy. Right. It's really good. Really good. Are we checking out? Man, we, oh, I man. feel like we just... Just started. Just started. Yeah, we just went through so many different things. Well... Hey, we're super excited that you're with us. Mm-hmm. I just want to say I'm honored that you follow us and that you, you know, you value, you value Ellie and I enough to at least you get on and watch us however often you watch us and you send us questions so Mm -hmm. it's great to be valued it's great it's great to hey somebody wants to hear your opinion Mm -hmm. so thank you and i i pray for uh, you to be successful i pray for your dreams to come true i pray that everything that matters to you would matter to the lord and that you would have an like you know i don't know an open heaven a a you know that there would be some kind of tangible breakthrough for you and your family this week god bless you thank you so much for listening to my podcast to stay connected you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe god bless you